Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. My name is Stephen Clark and I'm joined as always with my co-host Nick Ponte. How are you doing, Nick? I'm all good, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, really powerful, hard-hitting interview we've just done there. So, Yes, phenomenal interview with uh, Charlotte Edwards. Um, it's a really, really powerful story. Um, basically, Charlotte, up until about 18 months ago, had no property experience, no development experience, and she just built out 25 houses with a GDV 7.7 million, plus she's already just bought 10 buy and lets. But what triggered her into this uh, this journey, or what what was the catalyst to put her in this journey, was she lost her brother at you know at 28 years old, and he ran a development company with her dad for for her dad ran the company for 30 years, and they both died within five months of each other. So her and her mum were left holding the the baby this this kind of family legacy you know a site they just purchased for 20 to build out 25 houses banks chasing them for finance development finance you know all lined up and you know it was basically a sink or swim thing survival yeah and, no she talked a lot about that survival and basically how she had to learn pretty much straight away um and you know she talks a lot about the challenges and you know, were they doing the right thing? And then obviously COVID struck as well. So, you know, they had this big site on 25 houses and then you're going into a pandemic. Just an unbelievable last couple of years, you know, that she's had. Yeah. What, what a story. And I, I, I loved as well how the fact that it's kind of changed her mindset. Obviously, she talked about a back injury and it, it showed how, um, you know, she saw the, the importance of, of a buy and let portfolio and investments and having investments, which none of our family ever had. Um, before so it's something that she's going to open her eyes to herself and um, see what happened to her brother and her dad plus her, her back injury and she's she set herself a task was it 10 properties in 10 months and uh, she achieved it it's yeah. just she just completed on the 10th one just now which is which again it's phenomenal during covid the pandemic and down 25 houses so it's what, what a story really inspirational story she speaks a lot about women in the, in the industry as well and how you know the challenges she's faced as well and i'm sure we could we actually could have went into a lot more than that um and so, i think if you've had a bad day you know and you're you've got a tenant who's not paying your rent or you're struggling with a builder that's not turned up on site then just have a listen to this interview and it puts everything in perspective and shows you what's you know really important in life basically uh, and uh, we'll just cut to the interview then with Charlotte. Welcome, Charlotte Edwards, to the Scottish Property Podcast. <laughs> How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. I listen to your podcast like when I do my runs in the morning, so I am excited to like finally get to see you and speak to you in person. It, it's it's good because um, you know I think when I asked you on, you did say you know you know I'm not Scottish and. <laughs> As much as we've niched this podcast, the majority of listeners come from England, don't they, Nick? Yeah, I, I listened to a few actually, and they were quite Scottish centric. But then there's a lot that isn't as well, so hmm. it works quite well for everyone. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and property investing and developing and the stuff we're going to chat about today, it's not exactly you know area u- unique. It's very much the same kind of concept, isn't it? Mate, we are going. We are going global now. We've got listeners all over the world, so don't don't knock us down here. We're not only in England; we're all over the, the world now. So, okay, <laughs> Charlotte, let, let's let's take you let's take you back and tell the listeners a bit about you. But I don't want to go too much in detail. Let's talk about two years ago before you got into property. Where were you at? What did you, what was your life look like? And you know, what did you do? Um, I was um, a freelance marketing consultant. So I had quite a bit of a cushy life, really. I was just, I got to kind of pick and choose which clients I wanted to work for. And it was very much nine to five, 
Um, I took quite a bit of time off to go traveling. I could take my laptop with me. I could work from anywhere. Um, yeah, it was great. So no, no overheads, no stress. I, well, I was a single mum, so I'd recently got I got divorced about three, four years ago. Hmm. So, I mean, that was the biggest kind of issue at the time, but it wasn't really, you know, it was just, just get used to it and it's just normal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, take us to 18 months ago when property development and property became a, a huge part of your life. So I lost both my brother and my dad within five months of each other both had cancer um and they both ran a family business together uh, called dennis edwards homes and they built residential they, they bought land they built the properties and they sold them on um, and, and that's how and the business has been going for 30 years wow so um, huge huge loss huge tragic loss in your family as well massive um loss because they were kind of the the linchpin of the whole not just home life but like was we all live next door to each other as well so it was very much you know it was it was a yeah it was it was a huge loss and in the background there there was the business that had just lost the two people that were running it and all the knowledge of how to run that business also gone it was in their heads so um yeah myself and also my mum were left with not only the loss of them, but the, the business in the background that needed picking up and, and carrying forward. Yeah, absolutely left holding the baby. And, and, and let's make it clear to the listeners before, you, you weren't involved in the business at all, were you? You mm-hmm. didn't have any property experience, didn't know how to develop, you didn't know anything. And you, and you were discovered- I didn't even own my own house. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even own my own house. So um, yeah, I, I had no experience. And I'd spoken to my dad before and I was I always sort of spoke to him and I said, oh, what's, you know, you're going to want this business to carry on. And he'd be like, that's okay. Your brother's going to carry it on. You know, it's not really, didn't really want women on the building side. It just like, he's like, didn't really want me to get my hands dirty. It wasn't really a place for women. That was kind of his, his take on things. I don't know whether he was, he was like a bit sexist or, or just, he didn't want his daughter to have to work that hard. You know, I just think perhaps he didn't want me around that kind of environment. (laughs) You know, I've got a, I've got a young daughter. I can I can relate to that. As your dad does sound like old school. Cause I, I remember hearing you talk about your dad, and it's kind of about a rag to riches story. So someone that we can all kind of be proud of and look up to and have an inspiring story. Oh, definitely, but- yeah, yeah. He was a he was a lorry driver, and uh, hmm. he just used to yeah. He just was interested in development. Decided to buy a plot, and and he used to spend the weekends digging it out the trenches and building it, and you know, and, and he grew it over thirty years. Yeah. Um, so I've got so much respect for, you know, how hard you work to get it there. And mm. hence the huge sense of responsibility of not losing it. Yeah. So, so let me, let me ask some personal questions about like, I mean, cause it was your, your mom, you and your mom left with this business. What, what were the conversations around, you know, dealing with this huge loss all of a sudden, but what were the, the, the questions around the business and, and, and where do you go from here? Um, I think there was a sense of she was in quite a bit of denial to start with. She she was she's probably much more of an emotional character than me. So she took she took a lot longer to be able to switch from the grief into like business mode. Whereas I'm quite I can quite easily detach from one from the other, and I can quite easily go right. This is what we've got to do. Here's the plan. That's just my personality. That's how I am. So. I was kind of trying to make plans while she was still very much deep in grief. And um, 
kind of trying to do things and not upset her and not involve her too much in things that I thought would just make things worse for her. So I, what did I do? I mean, we we talked about selling up, um, but she just couldn't even bear the thought of that because of, you know, how hard that my dad had worked for everything. Um, and also just for, she, I think she wanted something to do with her life because I guess like what else is she going to do? She's in her sort of mid sixties. So she's not, you know, she's just still young enough that she wants to be doing something. Um, and it gave her something to like really focus on to carry business on. Um, at, at the time that they died, it was, I don't know if it was a good or a, or a bad time business wise, but they basically bought this field with planning permission for 25 units. Um, and yeah, it was ready to go. So we did not know how to build a house <laughs> and we had to learn literally from the foundations up. So wow. what, what, what was the kind of at this, the state of the, 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 the company at the time then you did mention the site for the plan of mission for 25 houses was the the previous sites all sold and done and dusted and this was the next site they'd be moving on to it wasn't quite no it, there was a few houses left on the previous site um kind of i don't know why but the last few houses always seem to be like the hardest to sell mm. i don't know why that is but so there was a few hanging around from a previous site which was actually only a mile down the road um so there was those to just finish off internally and that's that was the easy part, like fitting out kitchens and stuff. Like that's fine, I can deal with that. Um, but yeah, it was the it was the uh, the new site that was just a field that that was the real challenge. So, so, so you guys are faced with a field. It had plan permission on it for twenty five. Did you say twenty five units? Yeah, yeah. But you had no experience. So what what was it? Kind of it blows my mind. Like what what was the the first logical step did he have did he have a team of people around them did he have you know employees in the company that could that could assist they can they start moving forward with the site or did it land completely on you and your mum it's all it's all subcontractors so yeah there was some subcontractors there that had been there a long time and my dad had a specific kind of right hand man who was kind of head of groundworks really but um while my dad had been in hospital for the last few weeks of his life he um he kind of stepped up and he, he took more of a management role and he's still in that role now thankfully so we've had him to kind of guide us through and that's been invaluable but a lot left um I think a lot maybe thought like what are these two doing or how's this gonna work you know they they wanted job security and they thought perhaps how are we how's this gonna work um and we, we lost one as well that had worked with my dad for 30 years and was so upset just he couldn't bear stepping foot on the site anymore um so we we had a bit we've had a bit of a change of change of team, but yeah, we've most we've 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 kept some real good core people, and then we've added to the team as well. So we've kind of made it a bit our own, um, but at the moment we've got a really good team around us, and we kind of know what we're doing now. So <laughs> it does feel like I'm going to put some times perspectives on this because I mean this is this was 18 months ago. This was right at the start of COVID, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, so this happened, yeah, COVID happened a couple of months after we took over. So, <laughs> you know, you know, we're, we've, we've all faced these issues with our own projects over the last 18 months as well, material shortages and, and labour and, you know, everything that the country's through us, you know, as a developer for a first time on a 25-unit site and dealing with, with coronavirus, like, how, you know, how did you start? How did you, how did you start? How did you start muddling through this? 
Well, we'd started, I remember we'd got about two houses or three houses halfway up kind of to first floor Joyce level and then everything shut down. Like mm. everything around us shut down. People weren't allowed to look for houses anymore. People weren't allowed and we thought, shit, mm. this is bad. Like this is bad because one, we actually don't know what we're doing. And two, people, we haven't got any customers. So we can't sell these houses. We've got finance against this. Mm. Like, what what are we going to do? And I remember, like, ringing up a few other local developers, and I was like, they knew my dad. So I was like, listen, I hope you don't mind me ringing you, but with COVID, I I really i am out of my comfort zone here. What, you know, what are you guys doing? And they were like, we're we're shutting down the sites. And I thought, oh, but we, we actually did stay open because we were able to socially distance really easily because we kind of only have one of each trade on site anyway. And the, all our guys are self-employed. They're all subcontractors. They didn't want to stop working and we didn't want to take their income off them. So we kept going through COVID um, sort of carefully. Um, and like, as we all know now, it all works out for the best and the property market had like has had a massive boom and we are where we are now and we're sold out and we're three quarters of the way through the site finance repaid yeah and had the best year in the 30-year history of the company had the best financial year ever Mm. so (laughs) like part luck part hard work but we got there in the end yeah it's not it's not often uh Stephen you hear me like go silent but just listening to that story there for the first time hearing that you know huge admiration uh to you I mean that's just a phenomenal story and I'm so sorry for your loss. And it's just amazing how you've managed to turn things around in such a, a short space of time. You know, what, you know, what was really driving you? Was it like, did you just think to yourself inside that you just wanted to make this happen, you know, to, you know, that whole legacy that your dad left and that whole thing that he built up all through his life and that hard work? Did you just want to continue that on? What, what you know, what was really was- driving you? There was a bit of that, but there was also a bit of survival instinct because I thought I've given up my job for this. like I'm going to I had to make a decision where I was like, well, I'm going to have to give up my marketing role. I'm going to have to give that up to do this. I can't. I'd actually tried to do both for a while, which was is laughable now. Um, and I was like, you know, going from one to the other and like I was doing my marketing job and taking calls for like deliveries on site. And I, it's just impossible. So I had to give up one for the other. Um yeah, I don't, it was, I think, survival and also, yeah, the legacy as well and not wanting to kind of drop a ball, basically, keep it all going. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't really know what the future held, especially when COVID came. I thought, well, like, this is, we're definitely going into a recession now. Like, this is going to be the end anyway. I'll just try and get this finished off and um, do the best I can, kind of repay loans and let's just, you know, just, just get this finished. Yeah. It's such an important thing is the reason why, and I can't think of a stronger reason why than to carry on a legacy for your dad and your brother as well. But you just touched on something there that I think is really important to, to, to go into. You mentioned development finance. You mentioned paying off finance. Now, mm. you, you you said you didn't even own your own home before. Your, your business was off a laptop and stuff like that. This, this is something that scares most people going into building a buy-let portfolio or, or flipping their first project when they're maybe taking out a bridging loan off 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 grand, you're not talking about that kind of numbers. You're talking about adding another couple of zeros onto that. 
I am. And I'm somebody that used to get like anxious if I'd gone a hundred pounds into my overdraft before I got paid before the end of the month. I mean, I'm, I was not used to these figures. And even now I don't even, I let my mum do all the banking because I can't even look at it. Like it scares me to see what goes out. We're talking about six figures going out every month just to, just to cover costs. Mm. Um, and it's really scary. And of course in development, like you don't get any profit until the end of the project and the project's two years. Yeah. You know, so you're living off almost like a wing and a prayer for two years, hoping that the property market doesn't crash um, and that you've, done, and you've got your sums right. And of course, when we've got a situation where all the materials prices are rising, like, um, yeah, it, it's not for the faint heart. But... Whereabouts was this? Whereabouts is this site or the, the one that you were kind of like, doing when your dad passed away yeah I mean in Shropshire sort kind of like really in the countryside kind yeah. of near North Wales as well not far from North Wales nice and and, and you're the same concerned as, as everyone you know you're just getting into this and then you're seeing coronavirus coming and you're saying well no the, the, the prices are going through the roof the market going to crash the market's just being shut down you know is a good bit of demand for these houses that must have been another huge worry over over your head like, along with everything else trying to run a site for the first thing mm. and and the thing is with coronavirus as well it's not like it was a a normal situation or like we were at the start of a recession and we kind of knew that it would last 10 years and that you know nobody knew what was going to happen like you i would speak to you know the accountant i would speak to the bank manager and i would speak to the estate agent and nobody knew what was going to happen like it was completely the unknown and like I probably made a few bad decisions during that time thinking like just planning for the worst mm. like for example we released decided to release all the houses off plan not knowing that obviously there was going to be a huge price increase <laughs> later on um so that <laughs> was a mistake but we were like battening down the hatches we were thinking right okay while people can still look at houses let's try and sell stuff off plan or even while they couldn't come out and look okay well maybe we can sell stuff off plan then um yeah so yeah. yeah something that I wouldn't necessarily do again but you know no, I've done exactly the same with a flip project I was doing you know during it as well and, and sold it kind of off market and let the owner pick their finishes and I realized that I probably sold it for 30 percent under what I could have sold it for yeah but yeah you do you shouldn't just you, you we're all we're all consumed by it and you're preparing for the the worst to happen and trying to protect yeah. your your business um, let me let me ask you a, a question that which I think is quite interesting. Like you've not got property experience, you've not got development experience. You're a female in a male dominated industry, and you're now dealing with accountants and bank managers and sites and suppliers and trades. Did people take you seriously straight away? You know, oh, here's Daddy's girl coming to go and run our, our business. Did you get Did you get a lot of shit like going through this? Because I mean, I can imagine you would have it was mixed like a lot of it was like sympathy like which is so you know a lot you got some people that just had a lot of sympathy and just like that knew the family and like knew what happened and they were just like so sorry what's happened and then you get like people turning up on site going uh looking for the man in charge (laughs) (laughs) looking looking past me so (laughs) I still get that every still get that at least once a month somebody that will turn up a bloke will turn up looking for the man in charge um that must be so embarrassing for for them when they when they realise. No, I enjoy I enjoy embarrassing them when they say it. <laughs> I just just on that, like I mean, it's it's quite a common theme because like even. 
like events that we do like on our Zoom calls and that where we do our kind of networking and stuff and even looking at the ticket sales coming in for a forthcoming networking event, it's like really heavily male dominated. So what's what's kind of stopped, what are the barriers for women in this industry? You know, like what, what is going on? I think the thing is, I think there's a lot of people who get into property development and property investment that have worked on the tools and I have been tradies and then they, and then they, you know, because they're in an ideal position to take on a project and kind of do a lot of the work themselves and make a bit of money on it. So then you've, you haven't got the women doing the trades. So why aren't they doing the trades? You've got to yeah. look at where they're coming from education wise and what routes they're being encouraged to go in. And then you've got things like, you know, hand tools that are made for man-sized hands. You know, they're not made for women-sized hands. So consequently, you know, it's harder for women to do the job. It takes them longer to do the same job and they have more accidents because they're not made for women to use. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of husband and wife. Women so much better. Well, women are great at like so many, you know, multitasking project yeah. management like i think women are i don't know okay, it's like, a I'm, shame I'm, I'm so if the first workshop i ever ran during covid i got you know a lot of messages in the saying you know why is there only one woman out of 18 people in in the in the, in the you know in the course and i sold it through instagram i thought well i don't know like you tell me I, i'm market and i'm i've got a daughter i want to promote women i really want to empower women and when you went over the last few the women that have came on have actually done so much better and than men and i think it's the what you've just described as is probably the, the negative effect of it. When guys think they can do things, they do things, which means they're not outsourcing, they're not looking at the bigger picture. And you've just t- you've just made it, you're a prime example of that. Your dad's built a phenomenal company. He's went from kind of this rag to Richie's story from a trucker for 30 years. You took over the company in 18 months and made it the most profitable you know, year in 30 years. Like that, that's, mm. that's huge acumen to say that women can do this shit better than men. Like, yeah, I think um, like my first employee has been my wife, and it amazes me when I look at what she achieves in an hour. It usually takes me about four hours to do. Do you know what I mean? So I think productivity, uh, in my experience, is definitely better for women. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, they can do it at least as well as men. Let's 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 put it that way. You know. So I I don't know. It would be nice to see more. Like if a woman comes on site now, like I think we've had like a woman. We had a, a female painter and decorator. You get excited. You're like, oh hi, like nice to see you. <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's strange for a woman to walk on site. You're just not used to it, and it shouldn't really be like that. Um, but yeah. I find it as well. You know, when I when I first was going to work on site, I went into like the um, like the builders merchants where this this builders merchant they've got a whole floor of site wear. You know, the jackets, the trousers, the boots. I was like, oh, where's the women's section? Oh no, they haven't got one. There's no women's section. You know, they're like, oh, maybe we can try and order you something out of a catalogue. And I went, oh. you know, it, it's 2021. You think? I mean, like they would. You know, it's just mental how it does seem to be quite slow. I mean, it is getting there, obviously, but it does seem quite slow. And we I think we the figures is it's less than 10%, something like that. Yeah. yeah we we love it when we get guests on like yourself, and obviously, like we had the property duo on, which you're aware of. Yeah, now. yeah, I like them. And you know what I mean? It's just great to see to see them doing good things. So yeah. And obviously, Stephen, he's got, you know, his own daughter who's getting involved as well. So you're huge. I've, I've no chance to convince her. She wants to be a princess, a ballerina, and a teacher. <laughs> um, I've no chance. But you know what? I, I'm big on that because I, I kind of I spoke to my wife quite a bit about this, and I and I look at my daughter, and 
she's so much like that. You know, this is going to sound like a real fucking parent cliche, but she's so much more advanced than boys. than when I see her in class and at swimming lessons and stuff, and I and I always kind of thought about growing up as well. It was like you, you see. And my, my wife put a good perspective on this. She was like, yeah, women, girls were better at a lot of things until they kind of hit teenagers, like 13, 14. It's like they get suppressed. And I'm kind of so trying to figure this out. Obviously, she's only five, so I've got a long time to figure it out. But I want to figure out like how to not suppress any, not put any negative doubts in their mind, like not put any objectives in. Like you kind of mentioned that your dad didn't want you on site and didn't think it was a, a place for a woman. And it's just like mm. a, it's an old school kind of mentality um, that... That's that's it's probably difficult for women to get ahead in workplaces and get ahead in industries as well. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, with the rising costs of university tuition and stuff like that, I think you're going to see more and more people picking a trade instead, and mm-hmm. um, you know, going down that route. And the thing is, and with women, they make more than doctors and lawyers now. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, there's a thing, isn't it, where bricklayers are making more than GPs. <laughs> so, <laughs> as long as you don't mind working out in the elements, you know, it it, it is a good job, and it can lead into so like all kinds of property development avenues you know property investment building up by there's so many trades you've got buy to let their own buy to let portfolios you know they're like dark horses because they come there and they do their trade but actually they've got like 10 houses that they're renting out on the side it's like because their their skill allows them to do that so what is your kind of role then in in the business like day-to-day what's your kind of typical day look like um well (laughs) I do the jobs that nobody else will do. So um, sometimes I might be like, I just had a text message before I come on now. Can you clean out plot 14 for me? I want to go in and do the joinery. It's like, well, the late, the labor is busy, like doing something else. It's like, well, somebody has got to go in and clean this house out ready for the joiners to go and do his thing. So that's, for example, will be something I've got to do later this afternoon, but also um, I have to, I'm sourcing D I'm looking at new deals um, I'm speaking with solicitors, estate agents, the bank managers. I'm preparing financial forecasts. Um, I have everything like like a small business owner would do. I, you know, I do a bit of everything: the marketing, the the legal stuff, the contracts. Um, yeah, podcast interviews, podcast interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is a huge like completely different world from what you were used to a couple of years ago you, you enjoying this are you you know is it something completely new to you I do you know what I hated it for like the first six months I remember I started in like midwinter and it was horrendous like awful like knee deep in mud and freezing cold and I've been in an office for like 15 years so I just was not used to this um, but I love it now. I love the freedom of it. I love that I can get up from my desk and I can walk out and I can actually like, I, can, I don't mind even mind cleaning up and like tidying, carrying, you know, bathrooms upstairs, bathroom suites upstairs. And I don't mind doing that because it's such good variety. Um, and I love what you create at the end of it. Yeah. Um, having, you know, going from like the footings right up to the house with the kitchen and the bathroom in it and it looking like super nice like it's so rewarding um and that like the thing is with development like you never really see any money out of it it's not even about the money because the money's always in the ground and once it comes once you sell a house it goes into the ground for the next one so you never really like get that financial benefit from it but the job itself is really rewarding i think Mm. touch on the the numbers and and where the kind of sites are now before we move on then you said there was what a couple left on the site uh I've, we're sold out but we've still got to build them because we sold off plan ah right, yeah see yeah and what, what was the gdv off the the full site 
Um, it was at the last count, I think, seven point seven. Wow! Wow! Seven point seven million pound. Yeah. And and it was development development funded as well through the, the, the stages of it. Yeah, it was. It was actually so. It was funding that my um, dad had organised, and it was bank financed. And I think like a lot of people maybe don't use traditional bank funding anymore but he but he's old school you know that that's how he did it so that was that was what I was left to work with so and how did how did how did that relationship go with the, did the bank threaten to kind of pull them the because your dad's the spirit of the company you know he passed no, it on and you're left with I had I had all these fears about what was going to happen and you know even the, the bank manager actually visited my dad in hospital like within the last sort of week or so of his life and because um I guess he wanted to find out what was going on um and I don't know how my dad did it but he managed to sit up and he hadn't spoken for like three or four days bless him because he was that ill and the, this bank manager popped his head around the curtain and he sat up and started saying yeah everything's fine just got a bit of a bad chest no worries everything's gonna be fine be back out in a few days and I was like oh well done dad Sorry. like even like on board for the business till the end literally God, that's so, not something you hear often, is it? The bank manager visiting you in hospital? God. I think, like, he'd been working with him for a long time. Oh, so right, I'm okay, going to assume right. it was, like, for a friendly basis. Right, right, right. But obviously it did make us worry <laughs> that, he, you know, he'd seen the state of him and, you know, he knew what was the financial situation. So I rang, I just rang the bank manager and I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you, this is the situation. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to do it. But, you know, it was all in the ground by then anyway. So the bank manager really had no choice but to see me through. So, and I mean, he was in close contact for first six, 12 months, financial forecasts, sales forecasts, mm. um, which was good actually because it kept me on my toes and it kept me, you know, doing things right and being, you know, having an accountability, I suppose. Um, but yeah don't hear anything from him much anymore just like he actually he rang me and he recently and he said you know you've had your best the best year in 30 years he said and also do you want me to do you want do you want any more money do you want, you want me to back you for anything else <laughs> so I went oh okay yeah I'll call you back definitely like that just those figures just blow my mind when I hear people dealing with that sort of thing like you said it did blow your mind at the start but like what's that I mean what's that level of debt are you talking about to get a project like that you know kind of Seven figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, seven figures. Right. Yeah. Right, I mean, just more than you could, would ever want, really. Right. But then I suppose, you know, my dad probably did his sums and he was like, you know what, this is a good deal. This is going to work. Like he knew it would work and it has worked. Um, yeah, kids. What are you so, putting the, 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 the success down to then? Because, you know, this is this is you taking over and you've had the best year in 30 years. Like what, 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 what do you think? It's contributed to that. What have you done differently than your dad and your brother maybe have done? I, I guess maybe looking at things with fresh eyes. So looking at the whole process. And actually, we never really had a process to follow because they didn't let nothing was written down. Everything was in their heads. So I guess like literally just going back to basics and going, right, OK, how, how do, and putting systems in place. There was no kind of purchase ordering system. Um, you know, the guy, if the guys wanted materials, they would just ring up and order them and get them delivered. Like there was no sort of streamlined. So we've streamlined everything, like being multitasking women as we are, me and my mum's sort of like, right, we're going to put loads of processes in place. Um, my mum deals with all the back office stuff, the admin, um, all the customers as well, because I can't be dealing with them. 
and um <laughs> she so she does all that kind of thing all the banking um and then I deal with the day-to-day the running of the site looking for new sites anything like that so yeah so this, this, this I, I don't know this hasn't put you off this 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 you're going to continue your dad's legacy onto this company now you're going to keep going with this Listen, if the economy had taken like a different route after COVID, <laughs> I feel like I would not be sitting here saying this now. I'd yeah. be cutting my losses. But yeah, I but think I everything's... I think you're probably being modest because like like we kind of touched on there, I've done it on a smaller scale with selling off plan or selling before. You've done the same. You've not maximised the revenue stream. You've not... You've, mm, you've, yeah, that's you've, true. You've, not taking advantage and says, oh, the price have just ris- risen, you know, 15, 20%. I've just got lucky because of what's happened that you've not. You've taken a lot of sales off market, um, which could have got more for. So I don't know. Um, I think I think you've done a phenomenal job. Um, let me- mm, I think we do a lot of the work ourselves as well. Like we're not hiring like site agents with a company car and a laptop and a phone. Like we're doing a lot of the work ourselves, which obviously keeps costs down and it's good for us to then learn how everything works um so yeah no I, I do enjoy it and I I would like to carry it on for my own like selfishly like for my own enjoyment of it because actually we like doing it and now I've been out of marketing for almost two years I feel like I'm, I've lost the I don't know how, how I'd make a start back in that again um and you know me and my mum just we need something to keep the legacy going as well and I'm sure it'll bring you guys closer together as well yeah, too close sometimes. Too close. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, see, I, let me touch. Let me move on a little bit because I, when I first kind of saw you on social media, I didn't realise this this backstory we've just covered, which is phenomenal. I saw the the whole ten for ten thing. So ah, okay, you yeah. your own buy-a-let portfolio, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So, can you tell us a lot about the goal? I mean, the goal you set is massive in, the, in a short period of time. And can you tell us a lot about that and, and why? What was the mindset change? Well there was a big mindset change because I just thought I never thought that I could be a property developer like I never thought that I could do that and so when I realized that I was doing it I thought what else can I do like what else can I do on the side of this um and also what if this doesn't work out can I have some I need some sort of security so I set myself I thought you know, listening to a lot of like your property podcasts and you, you listen to landlords and you've got that finance, you know, that financial freedom message of having like a nice portfolio. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try and build a property portfolio and I'll do, I'll set myself a target. I'll do like 10 in 10. So I want 10 houses, nice round number, and I'll try and do it in 10 months. So <laughs> I just did it. Um, and I've actually just agreed the sale on the 10th property. And wow. actually, I'm a month. I'm only. I'm in nine months in. So what I know it'll take. I'll take. Sorry. What sort of properties are you? Oh, like about? honestly, like the worst scummy <laughs> houses that you can imagine. <laughs> like we're talking like anything under hundred k, basically, like, that I can get my hands on, do up, refinance. And these are not um, HMOs, right. these are just standard uh, standard long-term lets. Yeah. yeah, just like single units. I don't want, I haven't got time for the management of HMOs and stuff, so I'm just going single units. I did consider HMOs, but... And, this uh, is, this and, is and rents, have, rents have gone up so much on single units, so I'm thinking, well, I don't really need to do an HMO now. This is like your BRR strategy. You're kind of buying these kind of below market value, or you're, you're doing a renovation to add the value and then refinance them. Correct, yeah. 
How yeah. the hell are you going to do that and build 25 houses? No, I don't know. I, don't know. I think I've aged about 10 years in like 10 months. So I've um I've had to take on no, in all seriousness, I've had to take on um I've got a full-time uh, project manager now just doing the, the BRRs for me. He started as like a handyman doing odd job the odd jobs on Saturday, and I went, What are you doing in the week? You know, like, do you want to just I've got this house where you just you know, it needs doing up. <laughs> you do it for me because I haven't got time to do it. So, uh, and I've now got him full time. You know, we love interviewing people on the podcast. And, and you know, I'm one of these ones as well that's kind of took the bull by the horns the last 18 months as well on coronavirus. But you, I feel like you're putting us all to shame. Like, I feel like you're just fucking took it to another level. Well, do you know, the other, the other like reason for me doing the, the BRR was the, the 10 and 10 by Tillets was because before I got into the development before my dad and my brother passed I slipped two discs in my back and I found myself in bed for like three four months like while I had surgery and recovered and as a self-employed person if I didn't work I wasn't earning any money and I, like that was a very stark realization of ah I'm completely reliant on my own time to make money and like having that passive income of property. Like if I've, you know, hopefully never in that situation again, but if my back ever went out again, I thought, well, I've got income coming in. Um, so that was another one. Did, did your dad, oh, sorry, mate, I was just going to ask, did your dad and your brother own any investment properties at all throughout their kind of career? <clears throat> um, no, no, it was always purely um, build and sell. But that's something else I'm introducing into, into the business now, actually, is like build and hold. Yeah, because totally. when it comes to sell it, like, you know, when it comes to selling property now, what, you, you know, what, what use is the money in the bank, really? Um, you know, it's just losing money. Whereas if it was if it was stayed in the properties, the properties are going up. So it doesn't make any sense to me to be selling everything at the moment. It sounds like you've, kind of, you've, you've got this kind of good combined strategy I've seen it from a different picture because the way I would look at it as well would be exactly the same if if your dad and your brother didn't pass away but got ill and they weren't able to run the business the business was going to fold and they've got no investments in the background to pay the Correct. way you know cover their overhead so that's, it sounds like you kind of was that part of the the process as well obviously your back injury plus what happened to them and not having these assets behind them do you think that kind of made a bit of an impact on you um I, you know, I never thought about it at the time, but yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I know that's something that I never thought about, but yeah, absolutely now, you know, in my situation, they, they sort of seemed invincible as it were, you know, I thought that, you know, and, and, you know, even if something happened to my dad, you know, my brother was there, so it's fine. He was only, you know, he was 28 years old. You, you just don't think, you, you just don't think anything's going to happen. Um that sort of stuff, you'd always think like, oh, that sort of stuff doesn't happen in my family. Like, it just doesn't happen to us. Like, we're all fit and healthy and everything's good and the business is running well and you just don't see it coming. This, yeah, that, I'm just 28. I didn't realise the age. That's just thrown me a bit there. But I was going to ask you a question about going back to uh, the actual, you know, investing in the buy-to-let because I don't know about you guys, but I kind of get it all the time that, people kind of like they see buy to let as a load of hassle and you know it's like it's almost like they want to fast track past that and just get to the the, the, the development stuff and they see like property developers as the way that they want to go and you've almost like kind of gone the other way but is it like almost like you 
see the development stuff that you do as like that's your job sort of thing that's your and then you're obviously looking at this buy to let stuff as the kind of passive income investment stuff I just think people shouldn't underestimate the power of just boring old buy to lets do you know what I mean everybody gets too you know caught up in the hype of becoming a property developer and getting to that higher level and they want to kind of get past the kind of they just see it as, you know, tenants that are going to cause you a lot of headaches and buy to lets. I always think that should be your kind of bread and butter, just your your core of your your investments and stuff. I don't know. I know, I know I've gone about it backwards, haven't I? But <laughs> they are two very different things. Like yeah. you can't retire as a property developer. Like you, you're going to be on site all the time. Yeah. Unless you've got a really trustworthy team in place, in which case, you know, and you're not going to, and you're going to be like, I don't know many hands off property developers. Yeah, it's a job, like, it's a full time job, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But like, I think you're onto something there with the build to rent because that's going to be a huge thing. Already, like, even in Glasgow, we're seeing like massive build to rent on massive scales, you know, like huge, big apartment blocks, you know, John Lewis, Lloyd's Banking Group, all that sort of stuff, investing in that. I've seen all that in the news, yeah, and that just make that just sort of like reiterates to me that I'm making the right decisions on that one, um, yeah. So, is this something on the the buy let portfolio? Is this something you've done out with the, the the development company? No, I just set it up in my own name, and I also wanted, you know, I, I wanted something in my own name as well. I didn't want to just, I wanted something that kind of give me that cred- bit of credibility as well. I say, well, actually, yeah, okay, I took over my dad's business, but also. I did this on the side as well. So it gives me a bit more credibility as well, I think, as well as that financial security and that income. And, you know, it's with the development as well. You know, the first six months was just living off a credit card because I didn't want to take any money out of the business because it's like that stage of intense cash going in and nothing coming out. Um, Buy to let portfolio, all right, you've got your boring buy to let. Of ten, but you can live off them. So it's, I think it's invaluable to have something like that that you can, you know, and even in between projects and in between development projects, you know, what that there is going to be times when perhaps you, you haven't got a project ongoing or you're waiting for things to go through the legal process, the planning process. But you, you can live off those those ten by to lets, you know, pretty much forever. Yeah, no, I think I think Nick, Nick hit the nail on the head as well. Like it does sound like a, it's a great foundation for to do what you want in life and you know you're doing what you want in life is continuing your dad's legacy the development company but it probably ties in quite well to to what you're doing but I mean I suppose you, you really want to keep them separately as well because the, the risk is always going to be in the development and what's you know contaminations in the ground or anything any millions of things that can go wrong on a site which if I let it's quite standard vanilla stuff that's you know the assets are parked they're, they're kind of ring fenced on the development so they're protected as well yeah, no, correct. Yeah. So it's just like another smart business decision, isn't it? To separate those things out. Definitely. Did you, have you done any build to kind of rents where you've, you've used any of the properties from the sites and put them into your, your buy Yeah. So how I start, how I started the whole 10 in 10 journey was I put 50 grand in, I bought four building plots, like for, it was a row of semis um like two two sets of two semis um and built those rent them out refinanced and then they've kind of paid for the next six houses to brrs but 
the thing is where I was going to stop at 10, because the market has uplifted so much, I'm ending up pulling more out of these BRR deals than what I had calculated, which is going to leave me more money in the pot to actually carry on building that. Hmm. So I'll probably won't stop at 10 and then we'll carry on as far as I've got like a full-time project manager now. So it kind of makes sense just to keep him busy. And if there's, if I keep refinancing and there's more money in the pot, I might as well just keep the momentum up. And you know, things like once you get known by these lenders, it gets easier to get the finance and you know you've got your broker in place and everything else got your all your supply accounts open it it just it's easier just isn't it it's momentum building basically yeah absolutely so knowing you if you've done 10 and 10 what's going to be the next goal for the buy a let portfolio then oh i don't know (laughs) don't know set me one set me one and i'll I'll try and do it (laughs) Uh, good um looking at the buying portfolios maybe for to scale up even quicker Oof, I've looked at that, you know, and I've always like, I, I did put an offer in for like a block of flats and then I ended up pulling out of it because um, I got a bit, I don't know, got a bit scared. Thought, oh, God, scared? it's too much, too much too soon. You took on 25 house development for your <laughs> development and you're getting scared of buying a, a poxy little portfolio of flats. Oh, they were rough though. <laughs> so I don't know. You'd be better off just knocking them down and starting again. <laughs> oh yeah maybe yeah. yeah i was right in a town center though so it would have been a bit of a nightmare development wise right. and, and for yeah. the development company where, do, where, where can you see that going have you found the next site to, to yeah we are in the process of buying some barns so i'm gonna look at doing a couple of barn conversions um and an old farmyard site which oh. we are putting there's three houses and then potential for four more as well cool so, so we might yeah. see you on the next episode of like grand designs or something like that the size of things that sounds pretty cool well it'd be entertaining anyway if nothing else because they like they they thrive off stuff that goes wrong don't they on those programs yeah, yeah there's yeah. plenty of that going on <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no it's been a phenomenal um it's been a phenomenal chat actually i just kind of i know i did say that at the start i'm pretty sure we can do two podcasts on the what you've done in the last 18 months alone it's been phenomenal <laughs> Amazing, huge admiration, by the way, and that story is just like blowing me away. So, yeah. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Actually, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Nick Ponte, speechless Charlotte. You've actually done the unthinkable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 where can where can everyone uh, where can the listeners reach out to you or or, or follow your your story? Follow follow because this is only the start for you. And you know you can see the drive and determination you've gone. And this is only going to be the, the beginning. Where can where can people follow you? Reach out to you. I'm on Instagram. I'm only on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at accidental female developer. Kind of says says what I do really. Nice name tag. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah remember that one brilliant we'll put that in the show notes charlotte thank you very much for joining us on the scotch property podcast thank you thanks so much charlotte take care bye wow what an interview with charlotte edwards i hope you guys enjoyed that i know myself and nick did we got nick ponty speechless a couple of times during the interview (laughs) for once i was just listening and not saying anything because like um you know what that girl's been through is just an amazing testament to her character to get through that I, and 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 where she's taken it it's not just you know it's not just survival she's done she's she's taken the company to the, the most profitable year in 30 year history which is phenomenal with no experience and um, looking at it from fresh eyes and, and just you know hard work determination 
a strong reason why. It's just it's phenomenal. Um, Nick got caught completely off guard because you didn't you you know you hadn't followed Charlotte on on social media. I knew about about her backstory and uh, and and saw what she'd been through, so I kind of knew what what to push. But you were kind of you know rabbit in the headlights here, just caught off guard like wild with it. But yeah, yeah, and she's actually offered to come and uh, you know she said if we're, she's if we're up for getting her on to any more events and stuff like that, then you should be up for it. So hopefully we can try and organise some sort of appearance at one of our networking events as well but guys if you enjoyed that uh, interview and you're enjoying the podcast then please as always tag myself and Stephen in your social media posts on instagram uh, we'll put you out to our followers as well if you get a chance then leave us a review on apple uh, podcasts and thanks again as always for your support it's much appreciated and we will speak to you on the next one thanks a lot guys bye